0: And as they're heading back to Cuff Kids together in this space, we're going to uh, turn our attention to the Gospel of Luke. If you have your Bibles with me, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse uh, 26 and then follow on through verse 38. Uh, This uh, recounts some of what we have uh, been studying over the last couple of weeks and then advances the story of Mary's uh, being chosen, of Mary's call forward one step further Uh, if you have your bibles follow along with me there if not the words will be on the screen as we hear the word of the lord together in the sixth month of elizabeth's pregnancy god sent the angel gabriel to nazareth a town in galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named joseph a descendant of david the virgin's name was mary even elizabeth your relative is going to have a child in her old age and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from god will ever fail i am the lord's servant mary answered may your word to me be fulfilled then the angel left her this is god's word offered to us uh, his children and it's reading and in it's hearing, and together we give thanks to Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, what an extraordinary thing it is to hear your word and to hear your words through uh, the angel Gabriel to Mary. Lord, let, let his words uh, just settle within us and spark a fire for us as we serve you. Lord, as we gather around your word, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, open our minds, that we would come to know and understand your word, your will, open our hearts that we would feel its power. Then I ask, oh God, that you would open our hands in response, that we would offer grace to the world. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Do any of you have a friend who has a unique gift? at addressing obstacles. You know, someone that can, that can face maybe what seems like an impossible challenge and do so with such grace and, and, and poise, composure, that, that someone that consistently seems to be able to, to go over, around, under, or through an obstacle. Do any of you have a friend like that? I have a friend like that. His name is David. David is what I have affectionately uh, uh, described him as uh, a gift for fixing. David is a fixer, uh, particularly when the obstacles are quite extraordinary. Uh, in, in one particular instance, when we were in, uh, in the construction phase of this facility, we had a meeting in March where our architect and our builder, uh, they, they jumped us with bad news. OK, uh, we, we did not know that they were going to do this, but, but we walked into a meeting and they both together in harmony said, it's over. We can't get it done. You, you, you had this goal to be in by Easter. We can't make it by Easter. There are too many obstacles. It's actually impossible. You, you need to settle for less than what you've been expecting. Uh, this obstacle is too great. We've worked every angle and we're not going to be able to do it well, what did I do? I called David because my friend David is a fixer. He's someone that sees obstacles as opportunities. And whenever he sees an obstacle, he finds a way to go over, around, under, or through the obstacle. And I kid you not, less than four hours later, after calling David, this impossible task that our builder and our architect agreed could never be met was totally and utterly obliterated. It, it, it no longer and, and we're sitting in a meeting as David is articulating how this obstacle is no longer there and our architect and builder had eyes wide and their faces were totally flushed. Because four hours earlier, they had articulated to myself and Mr. Bob, Mr. Kirk, that there was no way. And David saw opportunity. I think that that's a a key shift. Whenever you are moving from a position of doubt to a decision uh, to to surrender or to move forward, uh, you have to name the obstacle, be clear about it, and then be willing to believe that it has no power. And, and that move is, is what we see in Mary today. You, you know, Mary's interaction with Gabriel that we hear it is mostly Gabriel talking. And it's mostly Gabriel's uh, communication with her. But we have three particular verses that outline Mary's Responses and position as she moves from doubt to decision to surrender, and so we're going to walk through those verses just briefly. A couple of them uh, we've touched on over the last two weeks, and then we get to to this move to decision. It's verse twenty nine, verse thirty four, and verse thirty eight. If you have your Bibles out, you could underline those as, as Mary's uh, Mary's engagement here. The first in verse twenty nine. Uh, you, we hear that, that, that Gabriel has just told her, just, sh- just showed up to reveal himself to her. And he said, greetings, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. And, and here's Mary's response. It's not verbal. It's emotional. It's spiritual. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this was. What could this mean? She was troubled, she was wondering, she was filled with doubt and to a certain extent fear. We know because of what we studied last week that Gabriel then spoke directly to her and directly to her fear. Fear that she was not able for the task. Verse 34 then, then Mary uh, has a, a famous response, a question, an identification of, 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 of what is confusing her and, and, and what she is struggling with. She says, how can this be? How can this be? And, and you know the how can this be runs really deep. It runs deep with fear, with concern over favor, and also lays up a very particular obstacle that she's a virgin, and how can this be because she is a virgin, and then we have this final move that we're seeing in verse 38. Maybe, maybe the, the most famous words of Mary as it's her heart just settling in. I am the Lord's servant. And then she says, may your word to me be fulfilled. May your word be fulfilled. I mean, that, that the, may your word be fulfilled isn't quite like, celebration, or we've arrived. It actually seems like a more nuanced move. And, and I believe that's so because uh, we could see what celebration looks like next week. But as we, as we see this move from doubt in 29 to obstacle in 34 to this decision in 38, we might ask ourselves, as we're trying to relate to the character of Mary, what was the linchpin that moved her from doubt to decision. Because maybe that could be mine as well. Maybe that could be yours. You see, Mary was called, chosen to carry Christ into the world. And and, and I want you to hear that and and know uh, and be reminded that you also are called, chosen by God to carry Christ into the world. So if you and Mary have that in common, that you're both called to carry Christ into the world, then maybe we need to wrestle with our own doubt and we need to walk through that deliberately just as Mary did. But before we get to that linchpin uh, critical moment of revelation for Mary, we first need to come to grips with the fact that it is okay to doubt to clearly name what those obstacles are you, you see doubt is a part of our journey of faith, let me repeat that doubt is a part of our journey of faith. Our faith is made stronger by by the, the the work we do in naming our doubts to God because God meets us in the midst of our doubts, supplies for our every need there, and then we are strengthened in resolve in our faith. This is a gift of God, and I know that that might might seem contradictory to some other things that you have heard over the course of your life. Some some of us have heard uh, Christian leaders tell us that doubt is sin, that you cannot doubt. I'm here to tell you that when you doubt, it is sin if you sit in that doubt and settle there rather than actively pursuing God in the midst of your doubt. So doubt in and of itself is not sinful. What we are called to is to no longer sit and settle with our doubt, but to name it to God and pursue what he has for us there. You see, wondering can lead to inactivity, emptiness, or maybe even a feeling of paralysis if we fail to seek God's assurance in the midst of our doubt. And so let's see how God met with Mary in her doubt as she moved to this decision. It's in verse 35. I believe that this is the linchpin for her as it is for many of us. And if we would just tap into what God has for us, uh, we would see extraordinary things happen. In verse 35, the angel Gabriel responds to her articulation of her doubt and and the obstacle that's before her. And here's what the angel says to you and to me and to Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, will, will rest in you, will reside in you. And then get this. And the power of God most high will overshadow you. The power of God, the Most High, will overshadow you. I mean, that is good news, but because that, that's the kind of thing we need to hear. Because if we feel like this is too big for us or we are too small for this, then, then we might need the power of God to overshadow us. Because if it was up to us, our own capacity, our own ability, our own, our own will, we would fail and fall short over and over and over again. But when the power of God overshadows us, miraculous things can happen. That word overshadow is used two other times in, in, uh, by the writer of Luke. Uh, the writer of Luke wrote Luke and Acts. So Luke Acts is this continued narrative. And, and the other two times that we hear this overshadowed language both are, are related to the power of God at work. The first is in uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 34. This is uh, at the transfiguration. Luke 9, 34. While Jesus was speaking at the transfiguration, a cloud appeared and covered them. The, the, the power and presence of God, that word covered, overshadowed them. And they were even afraid to enter the cloud. God's power is awe-inspiring and if we relate this power to the power that's articulated for Mary that's articulated for us this power that god will overshadow us is there for you and me now if we would but receive it and then secondly in acts I want to hear this this is crazy in in acts chapter 5 we hear about the way that the apostles are healing Uh, in Jesus's name, after his resurrection in the early church. And in in Acts chapter 5, verse 15, we hear uh, about the desire of the people in Jerusalem uh, to, to engage with the apostles, particularly Peter. And here's what it says, as a result of all of these healings, people were bringing the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats. So at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them. Just, just having uh, the, the, the shadow of Peter, which is the power of God at work in and through him, was enough to heal. And so if, if if that overshadowing is available for Peter, is there for Mary, what is it for us? And why do we not access it? This word power in the Greek uh, the, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, the New Testament is written in Greek, and, and so often whenever we, uh, whenever we dig into what's there for us in the native language of the text, we realize that, that English just doesn't do it justice. It just falls short uh, of what, uh, what is being articulated uh, by God through his word. And in in Luke chapter one, we hear that uh, very thing taking place when we hear the word power. The word power in the Greek is dunamis, dunamis, power. Uh, It's a noun in the Greek, uh, it's a feminine noun. Uh, I I just wanted to drop that bomb. I let it sit. We could just kind of hang around that a little bit. The word power, when referring to the power of God in Scripture to Mary, the power that can overshadow is a feminine power. Come on. Right <laughs> now, I have a strong wife, so I can believe this, right? This makes sense to me. Uh, I, I get this, but now let's work through what what the definitions are in this power so that we, we can have it resonate fully for us. This power is first, maybe most obviously, physical power, force, might. But then, then, then here's where English really falls short. You might have guessed those things. If I was gonna just say like, give me some synonyms for power, you might have gotten there. But, but here's, here's what else God's power in scripture means. Do not miss. Ability, efficacy, and energy. God's power that, that is available for each of us that will overshadow us is ability, efficacy, and energy. Now that sounds like some good news to me, right? Because when my ability is not there, God's ability is always able. When I am not effective, God is always effective. And when I have no energy, God's able to make a way. Amen. I drove back from Waco last night. Okay. Whenever we are lacking, God is able to be at work in and through us with his power, physical power, force, might, energy, efficacy, ability. That's the turn for Mary. You see, Gabriel says to her, I have the Holy Spirit for you and the Holy Spirit's going to rest on you. Gabriel says, I have, I have power for you, God's power, and it's no longer about you or what you could do. It's all about what God can do and God is going to do it through you. You will be overshadowed. This is a gift for us and, and I can relate to this gift. This This is, I believe, a linchpin for so many of us when it comes to moving from doubt to a decision for surrender, and that's my story of faith as well. I remember growing up in the church, I'm a preacher's kid, okay, and so uh, it was like every Sunday, uh, not quite front row, but you're going to behave yourself. My mom had a real quick, you know, flick, you know, and she had that thing with her hand, like if you were misbehaving, she could just... You know, the, the thing would happen, and you would and if you were asleep, which never happened, um, you know, you'd get woken up. But I remember I knew the gospel. I knew who Jesus was. I knew I knew the the, the story of scripture and what what it testified to me and to all of us, but I had so many deep-seated. Doubts that seemed to weigh on me. And some of them I used as weapons uh, of torture for my Sunday school teachers, particularly Carolyn Bowden. She's a saint. To God be the glory for her patience with me. But 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 I I had I had doubts and obstacles. One of the obstacles that I I knew settled within me is that this gospel message of Jesus, if you come to believe it, there's a natural response and responsibility that we have as Christians to to engage with the world with with love and grace and peace. And, And I didn't know if if I was ready for that kind of responsibility. I had questions. I had doubts. My, my, one, of, one of my primary doubts was how there's so much uh, suffering here and now, and yet scripture teaches us that the kingdom of God is here and now. And how do those two things come together? And so I, I, I walked through a life in the church feeling as though I was a pretender. Faking my way through it, participating in the role of preacher's son. Until I was in my junior year in high school, I was uh, at a, a midwinter youth camp uh, at Lakeview Conference Center in Palestine, Texas. And uh, we were there on Saturday night, the last night of the retreat. And uh, we experienced worship, and 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 he, here's here's the funny thing, uh, I have no clue what the preacher said that night. So that just says how much I really believe in what I do for a living, right? Like, like, yeah, I I, the, I have no clue what the preacher said. Uh, it might have been heinous and awful, but probably not. Uh, I also don't even remember what song was playing. But at the end of worship. I was sitting there in the Copeland Center, and I bowed my head, and I prayed. And as I was praying, I was confessing to God my doubts, my fears, all the struggles I had with what it would mean to be a person of faith. And then that confession turned to three Simple words that I repeated. I need you. I need you. I need you. Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you. And I remember in those moments, for the very first time in my life, the very real, powerful presence of the Holy Spirit came upon me. And I knew God. I knew God who was bigger than my doubts, who was bigger than my questions. And praise God who was bigger than me. I need you. And in that experience of the Holy Spirit, I knew of God's power. If God's power was enough to work in me, of course, God wanted his power to reign in others as well. And if we would take this verse 35 from from Gabriel to Mary and hear this word from God for us today, Not a word just for Mary, but a word for us. If you doubt, you're invited to believe and you're invited to confess that you need God. And in in that need, here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. And it's no longer about you. It's no longer about what you can grapple with or grasp, but it's entirely about God. And how much God loves you and is calling you, choosing you to carry Christ into the world. This move from doubt to decision is our move as well that I invite you into today. Call upon the Lord. Say, I need you. And the Holy Spirit, God's power, is yours. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we call upon your name when we are not able, when we are nothing. You are able, you are everything. Lord, we call upon your name seeking your Holy Spirit to be present with us, amongst us, and in fact in us. Holy Spirit, come. We need you. We need your power. We need your might to to walk in this world as faithful servants following your son Jesus. So I pray, oh God. I pray, oh God, for this community of faith for each and every soul that is within ear range of my voice. Lord, I pray on our behalf. We need you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Anoint, baptize, deploy your people so that we might serve you in the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.